Now, opus 10, number three, to me one of the miracles of music, not just of Beethoven. Alone in opus 10, it is a four movement work. It's in, in the lyrical sunny key of D major. Uh, let's see. Other pieces in D major, certainly later, Mr. Solemnis. But uh, this is, if I said that the first sonata was dramatic and the second was comical, I cannot really find an adjective to the third because it has many, many faces. It's, a, it's, a, it's an enigmatic piece. Uh, it has this extraordinary slow movement, Largo e Mesto, which is expression of the deepest tragedy that, that has ever been written to me. And, um, but the first movement is presto alla breve, so you are counting two in a bar. And, And this movement starts with an upbeat, so one, two, three. It's piano and there is no crescendo in, in this. Again, it's a variation of, of a Mannheim rocket. No. And it's unison, and then comes something very polyphonic. Again, the first phrase, almost everything staccato. Second phrase, almost everything legato. Um, 
very important in this movement is the monothematic thinking. If you take the first four notes, you can derive almost everything in this sonata from these four notes. You will see later. Already you heard. Always these four notes and the inversion of it. and with, with the, the syncopation. Uh, now comes again four notes. Modulation. the second subject, which is, again, this is important, the notation of this theme, which many pianists play, in my opinion, not right, four equal semiquavers. Usually you hear this theme, this is nonsense, because Beethoven wrote a grace note, a crotchet, and two quavers. Had he wanted four semiquavers, he could have written for semiquavers, so I don't see why anybody would play. But you have to play the, the grace note melodically on the bead. And with this you show again, again the four notes. And then, while the bass is playing this four-note motif, the upper voices, they play this in inversion. Inversion. 
we have the main theme in minor and with a huge crescendo leading up to fortissimo. And the this is what we would expect, but what does he do? Surprise, B flat major from A again is it sounds almost naked. Um, again, a Napolitan key related to A after B flat after A is Napolitan. Scarlatti who first invented this hand crossing but only before he became too fat because in <laughs> after that so I assume that Beethoven in his 20s was still quite slender he didn't have so much Wiener schnitzel yet <laughs> otherwise you can't can't play these hand crossings so this was this very dramatic development section and then comes the recapitulation, uh, which, is, which echoes the exposition in, in different tonal um, relationships. And then beautiful coda. So wonderful sonority. And where are we now? So in D major, this G major, the subdominant. He always reserves the subdominant for something very special. And in, in this case, it's, it's for this coda. Four notes. like in a string quartet, you know, four players, four registers, they are repeating the same. And then huge orchestral crescendo, wonderful sonority. And now comes this extraordinary movement, D minor, 
Largo e Mesto. Nothing ordinary about it, no tempo ordinario. And Mesto is something that we associate, it comes later in, in the string quartet, opus 18, number one in F major, or let's think of Bartok's sixth string quartet, the final movement. It's something that we associate with death and lamentation. It's um, really crying over somebody very dear. write darker than this. I mean, certainly the models of D minor are Mozartian. If, you th if we think of Don Giovanni or of the that's kind of D minor, but with a, with a new experience of, of gravity. I don't think there had been gravity in music before like this, because again, the, the sheer weight of it. It's, in, it's a slow movement in 6-8 time, and I feel that these six quavers, it has to have a very severe pulse that you must never lose. And later, now comes the lament. can see that, that from the second phrase it, it's, it's rather operatic. Um, and that's when one has to apply tempo rubato. This is when Mozart always complained when he heard Clementi's piano playing. I don't like Clementi's piano playing, he said, because his two hands are always together. <laughs> and Liszt said beautifully about tempo rubato that it is like, like a tree. The, the trunk of the, the tree is solid and it stands there, but the wind is blowing the leaves. So that is what, what I mean 
that a certain sort of severe pulse has to go through this movement, but the melody must be free. Independent from each other, but today you know you play this, and then comes a certain great critic and says his two hands are not together. So what? <laughs> I mean, where where is it written that two hands have to be always together? I have never never read it, but it's somehow certain prejudice. Now comes a new theme. Section is extraordinary. The atmosphere, it, it, to me, this is resurrection. And Schubert clearly knew this movement and loved it. And uh, uh, in the B flat major sonata, you know, yeah. in the, this section. It's the same, same expression. But so let's go on what happens here. Accompaniment has to have the, the pulse, and above this is like sobs. 
This is un unbelievable when this music is not, not pretty, it's not lovely. And some, it's, it's really, it's like a Goya painting. And the, <laughs> extraordinary and uh, then the coda this is an enormous movement and the coda still uh, increases this this grief and this terrible tension These are the most touching mo moments to me in Beethoven. How after such a deep tragedy and a frozen silence, then suddenly life, life begins. And it is like, like a ray of hope. 
It's like a little flower on the side of a grave after this. And therefore, it must come without interruption and without coughing. <laughs> the sign of a good audience is if nobody coughs here. <laughs> and it's a beautiful minuetto, dolce, with, with a sweet expression. Uh, it's really neue Kraft fühlen, as he writes später in the a minor string quartet, to, to feel the new, new strengths, new life. Uh, but of course we cannot forget what we heard in the last ten minutes, so it is really you, it's through, through the tears of the previous movement. And then comes something imitative. Again, humorous. Finale, allegro, so tempo ordinario, ask, starts with a very innocent question. Is it true? Yeah. And comes something like a like a cadenza. This is a passage that, again, you have to switch off the metronome here. It will never work. So, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Fermata, and then a tempo. You know, deceptive cadence by would expect, but and now affirmative. And now we are at home, and really the tempo starts here. deliberately so. He just wants to have a virtuoso passage here. Yeah. 
this is a sonata rondo, I'm combining the elements of rondo form and sonata form, and then here comes a very interesting this is incredible. something in unison, it's rhetorical. He modulates uh, chromatically and leaves it halfway up in the air. Wrong key. Remember this. Mysterioso. And with this modulation, we are home again. And variation. the recapitulation, then he reaches the subdominant, and then uh, again a very unusual ending to this sonata, that's why it never has any success, although success is not important, <laughs> certainly not for Beethoven, and that shows that sometimes the greatest pieces are the most misunderstood ones. Because after this, I will come to the pathetic sonata, which is a very great piece, but I think this is much greater. <laughs> Beethoven also never understood the popularity of his Moonlight Sonata, and he was always angry. Why people don't understand my F-sharp major sonata that is much greater? Because it doesn't have a nickname. If, if this sonata... <laughs> Let's give this sonata a nickname and, and bring it up to the level what it, what it deserves. Um, um. Again, 
it's a wonderful, it evaporates into, into nothingness. And this passage, if it was for nothing else, but this is a miracle. Mm -hmm.